Zoom, zoom, son of a ginger listeners. It's me, Patrick Baylor, and today we're talking the video game adaptation Sonic the Hedgehog, directed by Jeff Fowler. In today's episode, Beth tried to stay hip with the kids. I think a lot of kids' movies are done where, as an adult, there's no reward for you being there. It is, like, all for the kids. Mason had a zany idea for the impending sequel. Dr. Robotnik is going to be revealed as the supplier of mushrooms to Olive Garden across the world, and he's going to put poisonous mushrooms in everyone's endless pasta. And I still think this garbage fire of a movie burned pretty bright. Before we kick things off, let's take it over to our affiliates at WSOG Radio in Green Hills. This is WSOG with Marmoset and the Chode. And we're back with WSOG Green Hills. This is Marmoset. And I'm the Chode. And now we've got your morning news. It's the morning news, Zaddy. <laughs> Chode news. We got some real short news for you today. Apparently, the VFX studio Moving Picture Corporation is under some real hot fire for designing Sonic incorrectly. Are those teeth? Those are teeth, off-brand Muppet. So, Chode, even with all the changes they made, some people still are not digging this picture. Callers, let's hear from you. Let's go to our first caller, Crazy Carl. Hey there! How's it going, Crazy Carl? How's your Keurig coffee this morning? I ain't ever heard of that, but I'm still trying to chase that little blue critter that's all up in my business recently. Are you talking about Viagra, Crazy Carl? Yeah, well, you know what's really (laughs) keeping me up? The media doesn't seem to know what Sonic actually looks like, because I saw him with my own two eyes. Can you describe for the listeners what the Sonic that you saw actually looks like? I call him the blue devil and that little devil i promise you he was a beaut with that nice little jawline and those beautiful chompers that just look like fresh veneers of joe biden oh and man was he a fast talker i swear he was on more speed than me in the daytona race at 1991 would it be fair to say that he had more speed than say keanu reeves well no i think it was actually more up to the snuff of jason patrick but that's neither here nor there But I still sure do love that Sandy Bullock. So crazy, Carl. What do you think about Sonic's depiction in the movie? Well, I think it was inaccurate. (gasps) Well, I swear it's like they never even saw him. I mean, he ain't that fast. Take a picture, it'll last longer, you know what I mean? I ain't ever chased something this blue and speedy since I watched last season of Breaking Bad. What he really looks like is just a real marvel of God's creation. I mean, the incisors that could just bite off a stop sign and he won't even listen to it. You know, a suave haircut that just makes you want to give Danny Bonaducci a kiss on the lips. And his shoulders are narrower than Timothy Chalamet going down the chimney trying to play Santa Claus. I heard that Timothy Chalamet is really good at going down. You heard it here first, folks. That's not how Sonic looks. I'm telling you, that little beady-eyed guy is my prince. And with that, this has been the WSOG Morning News in Green Hills. I'm Marmoset. And I'm drunk. (laughs) 
Well, thank you for that, local affiliate. Zooming on in, and we're zooming on in with another episode of Son of a Ginger. As always, I'm your co-host, Patrick Baylor. I'm Beth Marcinko. And I'm Mason Hedgehog Moreau. And we're talking about a very cool and very prolific hedgehog with Sonic the Hedgehog, a recent release this February, starring James Marston, Ben Schwartz, Tika Sumter, and Jim Carrey. And what a speedy ride that movie was. What a speedy ride. This is a fun, cute one to watch. I don't know. We all watched it in the middle of the stressful weekdays that is living now in America. I'll tell you what, this little blue guy was the right kind of medicine I needed. I don't know about you guys. It was fun. You know, being in your 20s, it's like, are you an adult or are you a child? And I felt like this appealed to both in me. I feel like a lot of movies that have been coming out recently, like Detective Pikachu and then the Sonic movie, I find myself going to see them and being in the theater with other adults and then also thinking about the fact that 20 adults are in a theater watching these animated movies that might have been part of their childhood or, you know, just part of their current adulthood. I think the studios kind of know what they're doing now. And this is a great plan to just get more butts in the seats at also just bigger times instead of Saturday mornings when the parents can take the kids to the theater. You know, I mean, Mason and I saw this last night at like 9.30 or 10 p.m. And it was like just us. And then a nice couple that was older than us, I at least looked like it. We were looking forward to having the whole theater to ourselves. We were ready to just like talk shit and have a giant screen that was occupied only by us. And literally treat this like as our living room. I'm literally in there talking to Patrick about the like new scenes I've written for a screenplay that I'm working on. And uh-huh. then I hear Patrick go, oh, damn it. And then <laughs> I look to my left and there's people walking up. But I digress. Back to what I said, I feel like this movie tried to appeal to the kid and the adult in me, and it appealed to the kid 100%, but the adult was pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, very displeased at the writing in general, and also the product placement, wow. Wow, everyone. (laughs) If you're not getting your apartment from Zillow and then going to celebrate at Olive Garden, (laughs) what are you doing? I don't know, but you better drive your Toyota truck to both of those places. And it'll survive a lot of robot attacks, too. And if you're mean, you'll drive a Chevy. But you know what? Drink a Mellow Yellow. It'll all be fine. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all be fine as long as we're under the comfortable safety net of... Amazon. Jeff Bezos. And all of those drones of his. Can you believe Amazon is going to deliver packages with these things? Yeah, the product placement in this movie was truly wild. I mean, in artistry... I think that's the big thing that you can tell that they are trying to pander to two different audiences in two different ways. You know, the kids will maybe just recognize the random brands. You know, they'll laugh because, you know, they also name checked The Rock and Star Wars and movies that kids know about. But, you know, they don't know the brand connection and none of them are connected because this is Paramount, you know, Viacom, Nickelodeon kind of thing. That's not Disney. I was really surprised that they referenced Star Wars because I feel like this movie could be marketed towards like pretty young kids. And the fact that they reference Star Wars and that I don't know if Star Wars is really like that relevant to kids in that like younger segment of the population. Maybe I just like don't have kids and don't know. But it seemed like a weird thing to reference in the moment in the script. And then also the fact that they got into a bar fight and that was on Sonic's bucket list. Also very wild. The reason I'm saying that it appealed to the kid in me and did not to the adult in me is that I felt like it was exploitative for any audience above the age of like 16. Yeah. Because there's so much product placement and so many jokes that would seemingly be adult but don't land. 
that it's just like, we know, Mr. 30-something, that you took your kids to this, and we're going to serve you ads and tell you jokes that you should probably laugh at for an hour and a half. And then your kid will want to go to Olive Garden. Exactly. And then your kid's going to download the Olive Garden app on his iPad. Daddy, I want some breadsticks. (laughs) Can we get some breadsticks after we watch Sonic beat the bad guys? If you ask for breadsticks one more time, I'm pulling this Tahoe over and you're walking home. Daddy, get a Toyota instead. Come on. That's what James Marsden drives. I can't believe I paid $40 a seat for 4D cinema. What, did you smell the Olive Garden? I don't know where the 4D comes That's from. what I want. We walked past at this theater that we went to. It was being renovated, and they're adding a 4D cinema. It's got fog. It's got wind. It's got vibration in your chairs. It's got ticklers, is what it said. It has that, ticklers. <laughs> honestly, it's a porn theater. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, like I, we were walking past it and I was like, this is literally being installed because James Cameron is releasing Avatar 2. Yeah. <sighs> They're going to have a place where like the whole theater turns into Pandora. Whatever gets the asses in the seats. But our asses were in the seats for Sonic. And even though we were heavily marketed to, I don't know, I still liked it. I knew I was getting into a shameless kids movie. I needed to relax. And that's what I did. It was the right kind of mindless. It was big studio cinema for little kids. And this is, you know, what's going to be front page in Nick magazine. I know what this movie was based on what was marketed to me as a kid. You know, this was just like the Scooby-Doo movie, for example. Oh, man, I did love the Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah, I would say that I liked it. I had a fun time watching it. I thought that some of the writing was just very bad. One of the biggest plot holes slash like ignored things in the movie was when Tom and Maddie go through the portal and the farmer is like, Tom, I'm glad you're here. The cow's about to give birth. I go, she's a vet. Why isn't he asking for her help? So it's just little things like that that made me think somebody wrote this script like on the toilet a single afternoon. Either that or sexism just, you know, is still rampant in Green Hills. I mean, yes, that too, maybe, and Hollywood. But it looked like nobody had read over this script for any continuity or like sense. I'd say the script was truly mediocre in that it was barely passing. Because the plot moved forward in a way that they let you know it was going to move forward. Yeah. Oh, no. The ring that I take to transport, I don't know how to get to it. Looks like you're going to have to drive me. Oh, I can't run to it really quick because you've shot me in my leg. Remember when you did that? When you shot me in the leg? Can you drive me in your Toyota, please? You know, a lot of that. A lot of them explaining what's going to have to happen next. I get why. There's kids in the room. Do I think... Some kids are smarter for this. Yes. Yeah. Like you could definitely tell that this was written with children in mind and with the idea that children can't connect dots, which, okay, like fine. Just said his children are stupid. (laughs) No, like (laughs) it is very difficult to retain a five-year-old's attention. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So I get that they need a lot of exposition, but there are kids movies that are also well-written And that adults can enjoy. And this only really was sold to me as a nostalgia piece, not as a movie that I would really enjoy if I didn't have some sort of nostalgia for this character. 
And James Marsden is nice to look at. So there's that. When you go through the history of video game adaptations, it's pretty dark, right? You have your Super Mario Brothers movie that was made in the 80s that was ridiculous. Apparently, I have not seen it. I think that was in the 90s, and I'm pretty sure my friend's dad worked on that movie. Oh, what'd he do? I think he was a grip on it or a best boy. Well, he better have gotten a grip because that was a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very bad. <laughs> but yeah, every time someone has tried to take a video game story and make it into a movie, it's been pretty bad. And then on top of that, Sonic as intellectual property has been kind of turned into a cash cow already. There hasn't been a good Sonic game since like 2004. And they're trying to revamp this IP and bring it back to kids' minds because it's been so long since Sonic appealed to a young audience. So you can tell that they're just desperately trying to appeal to the kids and not even try to appeal to the people who are paying for the kids to see it. It's like they don't they have no regard for the people who are just reluctantly there. I feel like when you're writing a kid's movie, you kind of have to have that, as weird as it is to say. That's why so many kid's movies have covert adult references so that there's just something in there for the adults to latch onto and not hate their lives for watching yet another kid's movie. Not that I don't think parents, you know, enjoy maybe watching movies with their kids, but I think a lot of kids' movies are done like this one was, where as an adult, there's nothing given to you. There's no reward for you being there. It is like all for the kids. And that's okay, but it just kind of sucks for the adult. Then going into people who have deep sort of fandom for the character, they ticked all the boxes, right? They had him in the waiting animation, tapping his foot when he had all those missiles coming at him. For those of you who don't know, if you left your controller idling in all of the old Sonic games, he would cross his legs and tap his foot like, what are you doing? Come on, it's time to play. And that was a very iconic piece of Sonic. And then when people got really upset with the character design, they just made it way more accurate to the video game. You know, they knew that they had to check all of the average boxes to make mega fans happy. Yeah, and I think for that part, they did succeed for the OG Sonic fan because all I did after this was just read the surprisingly very large list of trivia on IMDb and literally was just referencing like, you see this little thing, it's actually a reference to this like major plot point of like this release of a game and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a very nice, you know, nod to the fan that I think that's the kind of adult that, you know, Paramount was kind of, you know, really pandering to instead of the grown up. Do you think they set him going to a mushroom planet to make a dig at Super Mario Brothers? Yes. At least that's what the little trivia uh, thing said. Really? He was like, I hate mushrooms. I don't want to go to the mushroom planet, which I felt like was just pandering to a kid audience because mushrooms have a very complex flavor profile and children don't generally like them. True. But yeah, that was the intention of that little gag right there is to, you know, knock the competitor Nintendo. So we've been talking a lot about product placement on the show today, but now it's time to place our own product. So give Son of a Ginger five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our other content, hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you get our podcast. Now let's speed on back to the show. So thinking about the Mushroom Planet, I can't help but visualize Jim Carrey and doing his little robot movements and all of his sound effects and I really like that I thought that the sound effects from Jim Carrey and just folded into the mixing of this movie were so good and like 
very much fit the like style and aesthetic that the movie was going for. And I really liked and appreciated that. And Jim Carrey's overall portrayal of Dr. Robotnik was just funny and wacky and weird. And just the exact type of character I love to see Jim Carrey play. I mean, he played a classic Jim Carrey villain character that we did grow up loving when we were kids. And that definitely hit a box for, you know, the young millennial old Gen Zer audience that we are, you know, that was the right kind of thing. And Jim Carrey, just a treat. And that scene that you mentioned, you know, where he's doing all the evil plans, literally, I think the director told him, Hey, here's the loose idea of the script, but you know, here's the song we're going to play. Have fun. Be yourself. Yeah. Jim Carrey knows how to do that. I love Jim Carrey, man. Yeah, but at the same time, it kind of points out the tragic flaw of the film is that it didn't have a clear, distinct vision. It was just an amalgamation of a whole bunch of parts. It was them saying, okay, Robotnik isn't lively enough on the page. Let's get someone zany enough to play him and attach their stylistic choices to it. And then they say, oh, well, the audience isn't responding to this. So let's pay an exorbitant amount of money to make all these underpaid people work way too long to fix it. It just seems like this movie was a trash fire that was covered up with carnival games. And advertising. And advertising. Yeah. And the major reason of that is because this is a giant studio movie. You know, we've talked about previous Paramount movies before, like especially when we talked about Annihilation way back, is that Paramount is kind of struggling as a big studio and they need to get these big tent poles right. And they were told that they got part of this tent pole wrong. So I guess it was better that they went back and fixed it instead of just, you know, did it haphazardly like they were about to. The fact that they hired all these animators led by Tyson Hess and a bunch of other animation companies. They had the Moving Picture Company, Marza Animation Planet, Blur Studio, Trickster, and Digital Domain all in at different parts to fix the character design of Sonic to get it right. So even though it was a little slapped together for this hidden dumpster fire, I still think it burned bright. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Yeah, accurate. I agree with that. It was a very bright dumpster fire. Very blue. Yeah. All that big blue sonic energy. This might as well have been a an advertisement for Georgia Natural Gas. Like <laughs> The emotional center of this movie is certainly there. Like the movie has an emotional center and it snuck up on me by the end of it when they reveal to him that they took all his stuff from the cave and put it in the attic. And he was super happy that he was accepted by a group of people that he had been sort of hanging out with as a third party for a long time, right? You mean he was being a creeper? Yeah, he was stalking them. (laughs) He was just straight up stalking them, yeah. This movie normalizes stalking. I give it about a 4.5 out of 5. Disclaimer, though, everyone. Stalking is bad. Don't do it. It's rude and illegal and... Stalking is bad. This message is brought to you by WSOG. Yeah, aside from the fact that Sonic was kind of stalking them in an endearing way the emotional center of the movie kind of snuck up on me by the end and i where i was sort of just saying oh you know it's nice that he finally has a place yeah it was a very nice message everyone feels lonely and it stinks yeah i think that if this movie had come out maybe like three ish years ago it would have probably made me cry (laughs) (laughs) why three years ago what happened in this past three years that made you a hard motherfucker (laughs) I mean, I've always been a hard motherfucker. 
But no, like in the past three years, I feel like I've really solidified the people who I hang out with and like my friend groups and and I feel a lot less lonely than I did during that time. So like if I had watched this when I was feeling real sorry for myself, it probably would have made me cry. I mean, sad seniors in college that just graduated that will feel lonely in whatever city you move to, watch this movie. You'll feel good. We all feel lonely. I don't think it'll make them feel good. I think it'll just make them feel sad that they still don't have their friends figured out. But guess what? Afterwards, you get to go to a meet and greet with James Marsden. (laughs) And all your school's alumni events. If you're above the age of 11, don't go see this movie. (laughs) Yeah. But we haven't really gotten to talk about who plays Sonic, though, and that's Ben Schwartz. And I will say, he did a very good job. I really liked how he fell in and fit into this character. Other casting news, there was a lot of bigger stars to play this. I think at some point it was like Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and Bill Hader and a lot of other, a little bit bigger comedy names. And though Ben Schwartz is best known for Jean-Ralphio in Parks and Rec as a recurring character, he hasn't really had any other huge things, you know. He was a main character in House of Lies. He was. Well, nice. Okay, well, he had one show. But yeah, so this is his first, like, you know, really big movie where he's, like, the main cast. I think he fell into it well. What do you guys think? I don't think there was really an opportunity for him to fall into anything. He had to fall into something else. You know what I mean? Like, he he was given a direction, which is very much, like, sound like he does in the video game. He did that well. It's not like what I feel you're describing is Ben Schwartz's main event debut as a leading man in a big Hollywood picture. You know what I mean? It, he's he's Sonic in this movie. He's not Ben Schwartz, which is a good and a bad thing. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it, Ben Schwartz is not on the poster. It says James Marsden and Jim Carrey. Yeah, I think they had like multiple different ones, but like the main one, yeah, was without him on it. I think there was like one where it was like Ben Schwartz is Sonic, but like that's not the one that we see online or on the internet. So yeah, you think he was more used in a utility aspect than a Hey guys, Ben Schwartz. Exactly. I don't think you're going to market this movie and tell everyone Ben Schwartz is playing Sonic and that's going to get butts in the seat. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I also think that since this is a kid's movie, like having a big name actor isn't even necessarily going to get butts in the seats anyway. It's going to get the parents butts in the seat. Wait, you're telling me that Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec's in this? Hell yeah, guys! Let's see it! I saw Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch at center stage the other day, and I have to say their improv chops are very, very refined. I love the choices they make and how they play off each other. A big yes and for me, too. So anyway, Ben Schwartz, I think a very good Sonic, despite the garbage fire that is this movie and the script. Though speaking of people that sound like Sonic, we did get a quick voice at the very end of this movie by the actual voice of Tails from the video games in the little uh, closing credits. So at this point, are you guys smelling a sequel? I definitely smell a sequel and I would love to see a sequel. Yeah, I do feel like we spent the past half an hour kind of shitting on this movie, but it was enough for me to want to see the next one because I want to see his whole squad. Like, I want to see Knuckles and Tails and Shadow and all the other ones that came out in the games that came out past 2006, because that's when I stopped playing the games. I just want to see it. I want to see who they pick to voice each other, and if they still have the original Tails voice actor, then that's totally cool. But, like, yeah, what about you, Beth? 
<laughs> be honest be completely honest i mean i being honest i didn't get to stay for all of the credits because i had to be somewhere afterward so uh that's busy beth has plants Ooh, i know it's like you're an adult who barely had time to carve out for this movie or something. all of these friends of hers that she keeps bragging about Ooh. <laughs> i'm sorry i have more friends than you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I did not get to stay for all of the credits. Usually I do end up staying through a lot, if not all of the credits. You want to make sure it's an IATSE production? <laughs> <laughs> Dolby Digital and all that? Yeah, you know, I always try to make sure whether or not they use the Ari Alexa or the Red Dragon 8K. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> Was this shot on Kodak film? <laughs> no, okay. So I did not get to see all of the credits. I usually try to stay for some, if not all of them. I could not this time. I did not know that the voice of Tails was featured in the credits. But that being said, I do smell a sequel. And now that we talk about it, what I think the sequel is going to be about, it's going to be about Sonic, you know, reuniting with all his friends from the video games. And, you know, now James Marston's going to be a little bit jealous Oh, come on, James. Can I hang out with my friends? No, Sonic, you got to hang out with me in my attic. Come on, bro. And my dog, Ollie. Is Ollie named after the Olive Garden? Oh, no. Oh, Ollie. <laughs> Ollie's product placement. That's upsetting. My prediction is that Maddie and Tom will have a baby and that they'll be too busy and that Sonic will feel left out. And then somehow he'll like get his friends up in Green Hills and it'll happen that way. He's going to find his people. Right, right? exactly. He's his... going to find his his species and it's going to be, I love my human friends, but these are the people who understand who I am right. fully, right? And that's that's going to be the, the next movie. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, I also think that there's going to be a whole thing of like maybe they're going to another planet that has like other life and then like does sonic go with them does he stay with his humans like how does this work but and dr robotnik is going to be revealed as the supplier of mushrooms to olive garden across the world and he's going to put poisonous mushrooms in everyone's endless pasta at olive garden <laughs> and and then Sonic is going to have to save them by throwing a ring at everyone's pasta at Olive Garden and sending it to another planet. It just all falls into the dish. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to Pasta Planet. Tails is like burning the midnight oil trying to create a giant bowl to catch all of this pasta. It's endless. <laughs> And James Marsden tries to pay for it with the $50 gift card. And they're like, well, it is endless pasta. So technically, it's only $25.99 after tax. It's just one gigantic Olive Garden commercial. Right. <laughs> As God intended. <laughs> I think the sequel idea has really ended up in its own endless pasta bowl. Breadsticks, too. Hey. That's marketable right there. An endless movie franchise. Who wouldn't love it? Eat pasta during every iteration. <laughs> Put it in your mother's purse. It'll keep coming to an AMC dine-in theater near you. Endless Sonic pasta. It's blue noodles. <laughs> it looks like it came from Avatar World. They call it bloodles. Bloodles. Bloodles and bloodles of fun. <laughs> I could do this all day, man. 
You know what else is Blue Dolls of Fun? Leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcast. And wherever you're listening to us right now, you can listen to our whole library of podcasts. So check out some of our other episodes. And then if you want to witness any of the creative energy that we don't expend making this show, make sure you pop over to Son of a Ginger Podcast on Instagram to see all of the craziness that we're trying over there. Yeah, you can see Mason's Photoshop attempts. This week, mustache removal. They're not attempts. They're, well, they're successful attempts. They are. They are they're successes. The well, last one got 16 likes. <laughs> Be the 17th like, you guys. Go like that picture on our Instagram. Who can do it better, Mason or the Moving Picture Company? That, that sounds like a fake company. It does, but... But hey, they're not a company anymore. All of this churn working on Sonic made them go under. Ah, bankruptcy. <laughs> and with that attempt, I'm Patrick Baylor. I'm Beth Marcinko. And I'm Mason Olive Garden Moreau. <laughs>